Thank you, Sands. Um, Sandesh will need that mic. Good, good morning. Um, please ignore the slide. Uh, the 15th was the right date. Sandra was right, uh, and the slide was wrong. So that evening, um, if you consider this place home, if you're core here, um, or even if you just want to know what core might mean uh, and in a positive way, not in the way that the gym uses it, um, then we'd just love to be able to share with you what we're planning for this year and what we're trusting God for. Um, this is such an exciting sermon series. I've been counting down the days to the sermon series. So before I introduce Sandesh to you, But God. But God is the series that we're about to start. Tales of grit and grace is the strap line. Um, and, but God is a phrase that you'll see in the Bible more than 60 times. Uh, and it's always this epic moment. So if you see the two words, but God, um, then what you can, I'm just going to talk and trust that some but God moment is going to happen as I speak. Um, you see a terrible thing, a terrible situation, a difficult problem. Those two words, I should just say irrelevant things for a while, hey, and then when, I, when I'm sorted, hmm. Okay, we're going to, the most pro person is here, so Steve will figure it out. After but God, you then see what only God could have done. God breaks through in ways that only he could have broken through. And those stories are so good for us, so healthy to keep bathing ourselves in stories of where God breaks through and does something radical. So we read a few of those scriptures together quickly. Um, Caitlin, put Genesis up behind me, um, and then we're just going to rattle through a few of the places where we see but God. In Genesis, there's this moment where it looks like the human, mankind has destroyed things once and for all. There's all sorts of pandemonium. Can you find Genesis for me, Caitlin? She can't. Um, looks like mankind has destroyed things once and for all. There's no chance of them getting back into right relationship with God. He is holy and perfect and deserves to be in relationship with holy people. And we had disobeyed him and gone our own direction. It looked like it was impossible, but God breaks through and changes something. Um, one of my favorites, we'll just sort of cycle forward to this. Do you know the story of Joseph, famous dream coat? Not sure uh, how that would go these days because monochrome is cool and Technicolor is not. Um, but at that time, he was deeply cool. Uh, his brothers get him abducted and sold into slavery and all this stuff. He eventually meets up with them again after this dreadful thing. And um, there's this amazing line. He says, you meant this for my harm, but God meant it for my good. And I just am blown away by that passage every single time. And we can get hung up on some theological, like, so whose fault is it that the bad things happened? And, and you're missing the point. That, that's the, the, the setup to the story. The most important thing is, but God meant it for my good. God has good things in store, regardless of your circumstances. Sometimes because of your circumstances, God wants to break through and do something mighty. And just before we get into week one, let me just say that there are two versions of having faith in the but God moment, right? There's two ways we express our faith, because that's what we're about. As a church, all of us surely are trying to grow in faith. We're a community on a journey to growing in faith. That's what churches are for. They're not for doing good works. They're not for preaching. They're not for worship. They're not for anything else. That stuff is all a means to an end. We're a community trying to grow in faith, trying to spur each other on to more faith. Whether you have none right now or loads, that's what this community's for. So there's two kind of clear ways that you express your faith. One, often if you're a new Christian, if you've recently come back to God, if you had kind of ignored God and you've just started discovering that he's good again, there's that but God moment where he just breaks through and changes everything. That in the moment, just claim it, trust, you tithe for the first time, the next day twice as much money is in your bank account, you're just like blown away, that kind of stuff. Every sick person you see, you can't wait to put your hands on them and the cops are starting, you're getting a reputation, um, and you're just praying and seeing miracles, and we absolutely love that stuff, and we see that stuff take place. In the moment, breakthrough. Many of you express your faith a little 
less that way and more the other if you've been a Christian a long time. Because as you are a Christian a long time, you also learn this beautiful thing called perseverance, which is a really healthy, really epic thing that God wants to build into you. And so then your but God moment might play out a little slower. And there's not just sort of name it and claim it, we're going to see a breakthrough in the moment. There's a, I'm going to wait. And even in the waiting, as we were singing, the beautiful miracle is that I can discover even in the drought, even in the the bad circumstance, God is still enough there. But God is good enough here. And then the breakthrough eventually comes, and that's even more beautiful in many ways, because not only have your circumstances changed, but your character has changed. Tricky thing, though, some of us who've been Christians a long time only camp in the perseverance, very grown-up faith, and we stop trusting God for the big breakthrough in the moment stuff, which is why it's so handy in a community like this to have new believers and old believers rubbing up against each other, and the new believers are going, no, just, just pray about that. Why haven't you expected God to change that? And that stirs us. And those who've been around longer get to say to the new believers, yeah, there's also something healthy about learning to persevere, that God can be enough even before the circumstance changes. He's not just good because he did a good thing to you. He's actually just good. Okay, so we're going to go on a journey over the next few weeks of building your faith, growing it, stirring it. It's the one thing that you really want to grow in, isn't it? It's the most valuable variable in your life is your faith. Uh, And so that's what we're going to do. And so to start us off, we are very privileged to have Sandesh with us. Sandesh runs Roti and Chai. Roti and Chai is one of Durban's most delicious businesses. Um, And people line around the block to eat his food. uh, And it's just the most fascinating story. Let me show you a picture. I don't know if I can now. um, Of That's Roti and Chai. That's the place down on Florida Road where you can go this afternoon uh, and lick the skin off your fingers afterwards. Um, And that all looks wonderful, right? There's a great end result there, but there was a heck of a journey that got to the point uh, where Sadesh sits now, and he wants to tell us that story. Um, and it involved, more than anything else really, your journey to faith. Uh, and it was a long journey, uh, and as I understand it, it there were some false starts, and there were some yeses, and yeses again, and yes maybe, and you call yourself a, a kind of a Christian in the closet or something like that. Um, and so just let us know, how did it begin? How did you first meet God, and what was the story, Sadesh? Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Oh, Sorry. You're on. It's a pleasure and blessing to be here, and uh, thank you for having me. Hmm. Uh, I pray and hope that my testimony touches you, and I think most importantly that it stirs your faith to the next level, uh, as it did for me and my children and my business. Uh, my encounter with uh, Jesus Christ was at, a, at the age of eight years old. I was gifted a book called The Children's Book of Bible Stories by an aunt of mine you know, from the United States. And uh, at that time, as a young boy growing up in a typical Indian home, uh, going through the stories from Genesis to the uh, nativity to the crucifixion and touching towards the end on, on heaven and a beautiful place, uh, you know, to be, uh, I found uh, what appealed to me was, uh, uh, you know, kind of a superhero. And as an eight-year-old boy, I found, uh, you know, this character, Jesus and, uh, you know, he was the only character in, in the Bible that uh, went away and came back. And, 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 you know, so that appealed to me as a young boy. Mm. Um, he is a pretty cool superhero. And so from that moment on, did you just follow him blindly, serve him wholeheartedly? What, what happened next? I think as an eight-year-old boy, uh, reading uh, that book over and over again in my lifetime uh, certainly made an impact on me growing up. Uh, you know, traditionally, my parents and my family were all Hindu. So, uh, you know, there was a parallel for me because I knew the stories in the Bible very well from Samson and Delilah to Job and, you know, Noah and everything. And, uh, you know, I think that had an impact on me growing up. And I think uh, the the spiritual seeds uh, was planted then. Okay. But your family, as you mentioned, were Hindu. So this wouldn't have been a hugely popular... 
past well, time? Well, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was okay. It was okay. You know, I was. I was in the closet. Okay. So fast forward a few a few years have gone by. Now you're in business, um, and you've got this this closet Christianity thing going on, and you're reading children's Bible stories and finding a hero in Jesus. Where does he first start actually messing with your life and getting involved? Well, uh, in 2001, uh, I was creating a, a very unique product in the home deco industry called a printed vertical blind. If any one of you knows what a, a window blind or a vertical office blind looks like, it's pretty much plain, boring, cream or, or, or gray color. So uh, what I did was uh, thought of a brilliant idea to put a picture onto it. And lo and behold, for three years, I struggled with that. I couldn't get it right. I couldn't get the print right. It used to fade. It used to crumple. And all awful things used to happen to it. In the, towards the end of 2009, um, it was my wedding. My wedding date was set uh, in December 22nd, uh, 2001. In March 2001, I needed money to get that wedding going. And I was running a blinds business, but I needed this to you know, uh, give me some cash injection. And I was pretty desperate, and uh, you know, I needed a, I needed some help, a quick fix. So uh, after a long time, I I called the name of Jesus Christ, and you know, please help me, very casually, casually. And that evening, I had an amazing vision with Christ holding a vertical blind in His hand, displaying exactly what I need to do without speaking to me. And uh, the, the very next day, what I couldn't do in three years, I did, in, I did overnight. And we've been selling that product for 18 years in, in, in throughout South Africa. It still sells up to this day. So um, your first sort of prayer in however many years since your age, it's very casual. And then he just answers it, and your business turns around, and you make lots of money. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> If you, after this, I'm going to give you a few things for you to pray for, for me. Um, but I assume after that, you immediately came out the closet and went to church. Well, matters get, got worse because I married a Hindu girl. And, uh, you know, growing up in a Hindu background, uh, she was very strong in her faith. And uh, she said to me, listen, you can close your Bible and stay married. And we just had kids. Or you can leave. And as a new father, my kids were two and three years old. So that wasn't a choice that I was prepared to make. I wasn't prepared to follow a God and leave my family. And I was in my early 30s. So I decided to stay married and we carried on. I closed the Bible, but still, uh, it was there. It was always there. And uh, it was always there. Uh, I was still a closet Christian, uh, never attended church at all, carried on running my business uh, until uh, my final but God moment changed everything. Um, tell us about that but God moment and particularly the role that cowboy boots had to play in that moment. Unfortunately, I'm not wearing boots today because... Uh, I'm very disappointed <laughs> about that, actually. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I just couldn't get it on today because I've got to catch a flight to Cape Town this morning. Yeah, in Cape so, Town, cowboy boots might not go down so well yeah. or too well, maybe. So, uh, that's a fascinating story. It was 2013, December. I was in the Bible Belt, South Carolina. Uh, and I was staying with family, and we attended a church service on the 24th of December. And it was an amazing uh, experience of, of, of God's love and God coming through for me in a very personal way. And I'll share it with you how it came through with a pair of cowboy boots. So I collect boots, by the way. I have 25 pairs during the last 20 years. And um, I was there, and it was a tough time for me financially, and I was about 100, exactly 100 US dollars short on this amazing pair of cowboy boots, buffalo skin boots. And, uh, you know, again, I, sure, I needed to get back to Durban with that. I would never leave the States without a pair of boots. 
So yeah, I had to get back on my knees again and, and ask Jesus for, for, for this to come through, you know. And uh, strangely enough, uh, I was sitting at church, uh, you know, the American church is a big congregation, and uh, we're very few of us there. You know, you could single our Indians out in, in that church. So after the, the service, uh, this is a huge burly American guy comes up with a strong accent, says, listen, uh, I got a message for you yesterday in my, in my dream to give something to you, and I want you to put it in your pocket and don't look at it. So I did that. I thought it was a little note. And uh, we chatted and asked him, you know, who he is and what he does. So, so he's the type of guy that prays for soldiers in Afghanistan. He play, prays for American soldiers who are captured by ISIS. Uh, these are the type of people, you know, he, he prays for. And, uh, you know, got into the car, got home, and put my hand in my pocket, and it was 100 US dollars. Hmm. The detail is wonderful. I mean, I want you to see, when God does something, when, when there's provision, it's actually always for another reason. Um, and to me, certainly as you've spoken about it, it seems like what God was proving to you is that he's into the details. He loved you. You weren't experiencing $100 from God. You're experiencing the love of God. Um, and as you're trusting God for breakthrough and as you're perhaps looking back on your life and seeing where there have been breakthroughs and moments, and we're so bad at remembering them, but if you do dig in your, in your memory, you'll think, oh, God did break through there and he did do that and he provided there and healed there. It's never about the provision. It's always about the principle. He's always trying to show you something, change you in some way. Um, and so you've now been a sort of secret and slightly undercover Christian for all this time. Uh, and for reasons that we can understand, um, you, get encou- you encounter the love of God, you get confronted, uh, and I suppose it forces some home truths finally to, to come home to roost. So what happened next? Well, I think the boots did it for me more than, more than the, the blinds, uh, simply because it was something that I was passionate about. It was, it was very personal. I'm sure each and every one of you have something that uh, you love or like, and if somebody gave it to you, you'd feel really good. Can you imagine uh, you know, praying for something and, and it coming through? So uh, it connected me to Christ in a way because only He knew what I loved, what I really liked, and what I needed at that moment to come back home with. And uh, he gave it to me. So he sort of warmed my heart with a pair of boots. Strangely enough, that's exactly what did it. Because it was so personal. It was so real. And I know that, uh, you know, if, if my family or friends buy me a pair of boots, they're friends for life. Absolutely. And, <laughs> you know, that is, that is what... Hinting, hinting at all? Hinting. No, no. <laughs> so that is how, you know, uh, my, my, my journey started with Christ. And when I got back home in 2014 early 2014, uh, I was never the same. Uh, there was something that was different. Um, I felt a transformation. I felt a sort of uh, enveloping peace come over me. And, uh, you know, I discussed it with my wife at the time, and uh, she was not happy about that. She experienced a miracle with me. She was with me, as with my kids. We all sat together when this, when this American guy came up to us. So, uh, you know, I confessed to her. and I said to her, listen, this is how I feel. I can't carry on living a lie because this is who and I want to be free I wanted I want a sense of freedom as opposed to being in the closet all the time yeah that couldn't have gone down well and I know that at that moment some other difficult stuff was going on in your life so. yeah at that time my mum was at the last stages of renal failure and uh, I think my wife had just had it with this Christian stuff with me and she says listen thank you very much you're out of here so I was issued with divorce papers within the span of three weeks after my mum passed away I was out of the house uh, 20 yeah, 2013, 2014 in August, I was out of the house. Uh, nobody would take me in. My own family rejected me. 
you know, because of the change of fate. So I came to a, a, a crossroads. I went through a, a period, you know, what, what you would call my furnace moment, a furnace period where I was in the furnace for six weeks trying to salvage my marriage, trying to, to, to you know, to, to get my life all in alignment again. And what I'd love to share with you at this moment is when the breakthrough came because that, that was my final vision. And I literally experienced and saw, and I, I would love to touch on the, on the supernatural realm as to what I had experienced. So if all of you know what a 4K television is, I experienced a 100K vision of Jesus Christ to the point that I saw his hair follicle going through the pore of his skin. That's how real he was. So I asked the question, said, God, Christ, Lord, if you're real, did you really ascend into heaven? And that evening at four in the morning, the heavens opened in my ceiling, and I saw this most amazing vision of Jesus Christ in his beautiful glory, a lot of purple lights around him, and he comes down onto a crest of a wave, doesn't walk on water, he walks on the crest of a wave. For those of you here that surf will know what I'm talking about. And then I saw the most amazing ascension into heaven again. Never ever speaks to me, just shows me his glory. And I think that had sealed my fate. Uh, that was towards the end of six weeks. I was living with a deep depression and anxiety because I haven't seen my children. Uh, I was, you know, homeless. Uh, my marriage was falling apart. And literally overnight, I experienced a peace that I'd never ever experienced in my entire life. It was so beautiful that... I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. Mm. And uh, it was as difficult as the process seems. I signed the divorce papers because the choice was follow him or stay married. This is what he said to me. Pick up your cross and follow me and I will bless your hands for the rest of the days of your life. That was a message I got. Nothing else up to this day I listened, I abided, I surrendered, but more than surrender, I was rejected by family, friends, sort of society, uh, living in my vehicle. I felt abandoned unto Christ. And that is when the real breakthrough came. The, I mean, it's, it's so hard because you look back now on the other side of the story, it's hard to imagine just how desperate those moments must have been. And yet at the same time, you've got this incredible vision from God. You've got the sense of his love. You've got this abiding peace. I suppose many of us are going, okay, cool. Like, I totally understand the spiritual side, but how did you actually make ends meet? If you're sleeping in your car, if you've got like a divorce going on, those are expensive things. So what I was given was sort of manna from heaven, but this was spiritual food. So I was literally starving. It was, uh, I got a job as a medical rep after running a, a successful business for 18 years. Uh, I didn't have the spiritual stamina to, or mental stamina to go back to my business it was in a bad state after the time. I walked away from that, my family, home. I got a job uh, at Musgrave Center working as a medical rep, earning 8,000 rand a month. My school fees for my kids was 5,000 rand a month. So it was pretty hard, dark days. I worked there for 18 months, and it was literally, you know, hand to mouth, surviving on Provita biscuits and peanut butter, and, and French fries was my uh, Saturday meal. And, you know, coming from Indian home, on a Saturday we have a really big, uh, fancy meal. Mm -hmm. So mine was French fries for weeks on end. Yeah, may the French be judged for those. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, what I found was in, in these moments, in these, in these moments that we, one would look at, uh, you know, if, if, if somebody looked at me and said to me, you're going through such a, a tough time. 
but there was something else that, that I had, and, and, and I think it was, I learned what grace was. I had to, you know, I, I, I had to define what it was. So I was able to get through all of this with the utmost peace, utmost right frame of mind. Uh, I had the most amazing and enduring patience I've never experienced to get through all of that. And uh, what was remarkable was in my state, inverted commas of poverty, I was at peace, I was joyful. And here's the key. Uh, sitting on a Saturday night in an office, uh, having french fries and tomato sauce, I was the happiest person in the world. I was joyful for no reason, and it didn't make sense to me. There is this idea that there can be joy in poverty, and we just, we just reject that idea. We just go, oh, but it just it can't be, and the Bible keeps claiming it, and you're saying you lived it, that, that joy and poverty are not mutually exclusive. In fact, there's a, there's a way for God to do that. And I'll just want, make one other comment, because knowing Sandesh, I got through it, I had peace, I had, didn't get into the wrong frame of mind. He will tell you that was not because he's a great guy, that there's some wonderful personality in here that you should just try and be like Sunday. That's what grace means. It's unmerited favor. It's undeserved resources of heaven. Uh, and I, I would hate for you to think, well, Sandesh is really impressive. Like the hero of the story is the hero in your kids' ch- children's book in the beginning. God just supplied stuff to you that allowed you to get through that moment. What, what happened next? How did that eventually turn around? Well, uh... On the Musgrave, if you, you all know Musgrave, Musgrave Centre, there was a very popular night market called the Rooftop Night Market. And uh, I was walking past there with my kids, and uh, you know, it was something that we needed to supplement our income. We really couldn't survive. So you know, I had a sort of uh, liking for food, uh, particularly pizzas. A few years ago, I created a, 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 tandoori, a tandoori naan pizza cooked in a tandoor, really tasty. I thought I'd get that going and sell it and make some extra money. but. Um, what came out of it was uh, a deep sense of hunger uh, for good food and tasty food. And then I remembered, uh, you know, uh, a year ago, the promise that, that, that Christ made to me, that whatever I touch, he'll bless my hands. And, uh, you know, my faith was, was, was consistent. And uh, I said, okay, fine, uh, let, let, me, let me go back to when I was a kid. What did I enjoy? And I used to enjoy the most amazing rotis that my grandmother and mother made. And the reason why my business is called roti and chai is roti, as you know what it is, it's Indian bread, and uh, chai is sweet tea or spicy tea, and that's what I grew up eating. That is why it's called roti and chai. So reminiscing on those recipes, I got into the kitchen with my two daughters in my granny's four-plate stove in an area called Clare Estate in Durban, in the Reservoir Hills area. We spent one month in the kitchen from uh, literally crazy hours in the morning creating our tandoori chicken recipe. And um, your mom had passed away by the stage, your granny was not around, and so you were having to just cook blind, I mean, and find your way to these flavors. How did that go, and what was God's role in that? Well, God qualifies the unqualified. I have no chef experience. Uh, You know, I'm a designer, I can design some amazing things, but I cannot cook to save my life. So if you saw the lines of people standing there to buy my food, I'm still, up to this day, when I look at it, I'm... That's 120 people standing for one and a half hours at Musgrave Rooftop Night Market for our food. They will never leave until they get that food. Mm. So here's the supernatural part. Here's the, 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 the not human thing. When you bring your faith to a living God, that's what he can do for you, for each and every one of you in whatever you're asking for. And what I found was I didn't use words to, I never even prayed for that. I never prayed for it. I never used words for it. All I can remember is 
I, went, I was on my knees. I was moaning and groaning in something that I could never understand. Because I could not ask God for something that He already knew what I want, what I needed. All I needed to do, literally, was be in His presence. Sure. So that goes well. You're suddenly replacing your measly um, income from the selling life insurance or whatever it was to now the Roti and Chai is making you money at the night market and you were going to some other markets and selling everywhere you could get a stand. And at some point, you want to make a bit of a brick and mortar presence somewhere. Um, and so take us to the moment where you're looking at a spot on Florida Road, wondering about signing a lease. What goes on then? You spot this odd-looking church down the bottom of Florida Road. Uh, what did God say through that whole process? Yes, uh, you know, getting into a lease is like sometimes getting back into a marriage. So I was really cautious. <laughs> and I was driving past an olive tree on Florida Road, and it was a sign at the coffee bar that says, pay it forward. So when you sign a lease, you've got to pay a deposit. So I was very wary about signing a deposit signing a deposit over. So when I drove past the church, it says, pay it forward. We paid the deposit, signed the lease, and uh, the very same Sunday, I was at Olive Tree for the first time, and I got the word that, uh, build my church first, put my bricks up, and I'll build yours. So I started uh, seeding at uh, Olive Tree, Florida Road, way before we put the first brick up at Roti and Chai. Eight months later, we opened our first store in 7th of April 2018. Uh, four weeks later, we had the directors of Togo Sun come in and have a meal. Uh, eight months later, we opened our second store at Sun Coast Casino on the 8th of December 2018. We, as a no-name, unknown brand that we're at all the markets, now sit with Steers, Debonairs, Fisherways, KFC, Rocker Mamas, Milky Lane, and Nando's. Mm. We are currently the second best performing uh, food outlet at Suncoast. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, this is just amazing. I don't want you to... I don't want you to, you to miss because he's being humble about this, but when, when God said, build my church first and then I'll build your business, and he turned up and he started to sow in there, what he means is he started giving to the building project in Florida Road, which some of you have given to as well, um, in ways that you just couldn't afford, having just signed a lease and got into a quote-unquote marriage that you were nervous about, um, and the business, despite the fact that you're giving money somewhere else in four weeks, in eight months, you've, I mean, is that what's gone on? Is that, how, is that the right summary? Yes. Uh, you know, I think it went more than that. Uh, you know, I was seating in Florida Road, but we got a store on Suncoast. So, you know, God doesn't use lines and boundaries. Uh, you partner with God, and He will enlarge in your territory. And that's what I experienced. And we set to open our third store in Amshlanga later this year. So, there is just win after win, God is getting all this glory the whole way through. And all of us, I think, are going, yeah, I want to live a life like that. I want to be part of stories like that. I think the subtle, interesting thing here is that every single step, even from the flavor that you're trying to create to the way you invested your money, it was so spirit-led. Um, give us, a, give us a, a sort of window into the way you talk to God and what God's role in your business is. You call him your main shareholder in your business. How is it that you have allowed this to be totally led by God as opposed to something you're doing that you're just asking God to bless? Well, I really don't feel like the owner of Roti and Chai, and my girls bear testimony to that. 
that has obviously kept us humbled and very grounded because we know where it's coming from, we know where it came from, we know how unqualified we are, we know how maybe undeserving we were, you know, uh, we're human after all, and to experience what we have experienced from nothing in, on the 3rd of July 2015 to our current uh, state of affairs, we uh, are in awe and we know that it can only be through a supernatural God and this is how, uh, you know, if I had to share something with you uh, as, a, as how I came to Christ and how Christ has led me and where he's leading me and, and, and you may look at it as opening doors and, and new things but this is the reality. Uh, I'm new to the faith in terms of being a Christian for three years but what I've, what I've come to understand is no half measures when you give your heart or your life to Christ, it's a full heart, not half measured in your entirety, in your fullness. It's, it, it's a commitment that would expect you to leave everything. When he says, pick up your cross and follow me, you must be prepared to leave everything for him. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah, it is about surrender. And that is not the easiest thing one can do. Yeah, I love this story because it's got both the breaking through in the moment kind of but God stories and the persevering, being faithful over long periods, finding that God is good enough even before the breakthrough has taken place. Um, and if we can hear anything, if I'm being challenged by anything, it's that wholehearted surrender. It's, it's, we don't get to, to hedge our bets. It's Christ or not. It's, it's him or the world. And, and I think a whole lot of us possibly have started to do things under our own steam, asking God to bless them. And you're just saying there's, there's no half measures here. Is that right? Correct. You, our, our prayer this morning before we, we, we came to uh, Olive Tree Kloof was thanking God for the provision. But I think more importantly, uh, it's not about the business and roti and chai. Uh, it's through that that God gets the glory because uh, it's through my story, it's through my restaurants that you will see all over the country showing or people that come to know the backstory that who's the real owner of it. And for me, that's the inspiration. For me, that's why, or that's how the business is growing. Because I see it more than just opening restaurants. I, I see it as spreading God's love through my food and my brand. If any one of you have been to uh, uh, the markets that we've done at Kloof or tried our food or tasted our food, we've had people that told us to relabel it as uh, heaven in a wrap. Mm. Well, we are going to all need to come and eat your food very soon. I'm, um, what we're going to spend the next few weeks in this But God series doing is, is building some practical theology into you so that you can get to the point where this is all of our story, where we are wholehearted following God, letting him be in charge of our businesses, our homes, our marriages, whatever it is that you have in your hands. Um, and so we're going to spend the weeks figuring that out and putting some good theology into you and some practical stuff as we always do. But there's no reason why God can't do that in your heart right now. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and we're going to pray. Uh, and I would love to invite those of you who are listening to this going, I am not wholehearted. Or I have somehow stopped being wholehearted and I want to fully trust God, fully surrender uh, and allow him to work in my life the way Sandesh has modeled. If you'll, while all of you are eyes closed, heads bowed, um, you may well be a believer, you may well be a church person, but you would want to surrender to Jesus even more. Just shoot your hand up and I'd like to know who I'm praying for for this first bit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're saying, I'm surrendering. I'm giving you total control. Any others? That's... Okay, Lord, we trust you. And even with the tiny little bit of faith we have, we know that that little seed is enough 
that even in our faithlessness, you are still faithful. And so whatever little bit of faith we have in you, however much we trust you, would you just fan that into flame and turn us into totally surrendered people? A people who are called by your name, destined for great things, able to trust you in great circumstances and terrible circumstances. Would you be the chief shareholder in our businesses? Would you be the main driving force in our homes? Would you be the king of our hearts, Jesus? Where we've wrestled for control with you, we just give up the fight and let you have total control. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come in and guide these people, all of them, even those who haven't prayed this prayer, even those who are not quite sure they want to or need to surrender to you more. Holy Spirit, would you start to guide our steps? We want to be a people who have but God stories, and but God stories happen when we see a problem, find ourselves in a situation, and then listen to you and find what it is you're about to do. See what it is that you're up to. Even if our enemies have meant it for our harm, we know that you can do things for our good if we will listen to you and walk in step with you. There's just one other group of people while you close your eyes and chatting to God. If you, maybe you've done church for a while, maybe you've given your life to Jesus at some time, but you're, you're not sure that actually you follow him and know him. You may know about God in some vague way, but this person of Jesus, you want to give your life to him and let him come into your heart. If that's you this morning, if you would like to Make that statement, make that change, cross that line. Do you want to just shoot your hand up and we'll pray for you as well? Wonderful. Thank you, ma'am. Wonderful. Thank you, sir. Wonderful. Thank you, ma'am. Any others? Any more than those three? Yeah, I see you. Thank you. Awesome. In your heart, will you just say after me? And in fact, all believers in the room, you can say this again because it's always healthy to pray these words. But in your heart, repeat after me. Lord God, I see that you are king, and I am not. And Jesus, I see that you are God, and that you died for me on the cross. Thank you for taking my sin and making me yours. I accept you as my savior. I will follow you all my life. Amen. Amen. Well done, all of you. Thank you, Sandesh, so much for your time. If you would like to come forward and and pray or discuss anything that's gone on in your heart right now, you're welcome to. Otherwise, there's no chai or roti out the back, I'm afraid, but there is coffee. Uh, We'd love to chat with you, so don't run off. God bless.